When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm not quite sold on the supernatural element, but there's so much going on for such a short runtime and it's it's very entertaining and kind of like a fascinating insight into young people communicating. It's no mean feat to pull off a movie and tell a story purely by tabs on a computer. We should be talking about it a lot more and we should be talking about it in the way that we talk about paranormal activity. Because it sounded a bit a bit shit, um, <laughs> but it wasn't. Kobe did message me saying, are you sure you didn't mean searching the John Show one that everyone says is really good? And I was like, I, I, that is really good, but that's not the one I meant. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast. I'm joined by Ben. Hello. Helen. Hello. And James. You asked me back, thank you. Always. Everyone's welcome back. Uh, And we're going to be talking about Unfriended. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to Flixwatcher Podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have Ben and James. If you would like to say hello and tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Uh, So I'm Ben Travis. I am a film journalist. I work for Empire Magazine, mostly on the website. So if you read Empire's online news stories, most of that is probably me. And yeah, it's lovely to be on Flixwatcher. Kobe and I uh, recorded an Empire podcast a couple of weeks ago all about Hamilton. I say a podcast. It was two podcasts that lasted about three hours each. So (laughs) I've strapped in for a pod marathon here. No, no, we, we'll keep this nice and tight and concise. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. We've got we've got control here. We've got control. Don't you worry. There was no control on that Hamilton podcast. It went and it went and it went. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, lovely to be here. Thanks for asking me on. No problems. Thank you for joining us. And who are you sat there in front of a, an, a picture of Be More Keanu? Sorry, a light box of Be More Keanu. <laughs> yeah, when it gets a bit darker as the evening goes on, I might switch it on for a little bit of special effects <laughs> vibe. Yeah, hi, I'm James King. I'm back on the Flix Watcher podcast. I, I was first here, I think about January, February time of 2020, um, talking about John Wick 3. And since then, I've 
I've gone even deeper into the life of Keanu Reeves, um, <laughs> which I'm sure I'll talk about at some point. But yeah, I'm a film critic and writer, um, mainly on the radio and TV, and happy to be back. Thank you so much. No problems. Well, let's let's go into the Keanu a bit now. Why Keanu? You've written a book, Be More Keanu. This is your second book. What was your first book called? Uh, the first one was called Fast Times and Excellent Adventures, which was a history of the 80s teen movie, which included Keanu. He was in there towards the end, 1989, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And that was, I mean, that was, that was <laughs> straight, really. That was a, a history book. It was a big brick of a everything you ever wanted to know about 80s teen movies book and for my own sanity but also I think for the sanity of readers I wanted to write something a bit more light and a bit more easy to read but uplifting um god we could all do with that and I think Keanu Reeves I'm a long-time fan of him and he's probably the only A-list star I can think of who fits into a kind of self-help book whose lifestyle whose films whose beliefs whose quotes actually make up a self-help book. And uh, that's what I've I've put together. And I think that actually, you know, it started out light. It became a bit more grown up, I suppose, than I thought it would be. It sort of is like a self-help book, which yeah. <laughs> I didn't really expect um, when I started it. But, you know, I genuinely believe, as much as it is a joke, I genuinely believe that there's he does some amazing things and, and believes some amazing things and that actually being more Keanu isn't the worst idea in the world. No, I think as, as we record this, we are, it's September uh, 2020. Presidential election in the US is impending. This is the midst of a horrible time in the world. Uh, and I think if everyone was a bit more Keanu, I think generally the life, <laughs> everyone's life would be a bit happier. What do you guys reckon, Helen, Ben? Totally. I mean, we're talking Keanu Keanu and not John Wick Keanu, right? Because if, if we're all <laughs> a bit more John Wick Keanu, the world would be in one hell of a state. But that's only, that's only if you killed his dog or stole yeah, his car. Basically. Which clearly none of us would ever do. <laughs> well, okay. Well, here talking about your choice of film, Ben, which is Unfriended. Can you tell us why you chose it and give us a synopsis in a minute or less? I can. So I chose Unfriended partly because I've never seen it and I've been meaning to get around to watching it for quite a while. And the thing that tipped me over the edge was the arrival of Host, which is this year's really buzzy uh, Zoom horror. So uh, a a horror film that takes place all in the space of a Zoom call. And actually, uh, this 2014 film Unfriended, it's one of the Blumhouse horror films, uh, sort of did this a few years back. It's a it's a Skype call. It's a slightly different type of uh, internet video call technology, but it is a bunch of people on a Skype call. The whole film plays out that way. You view it through the computer screen and kind of like Searching, which also has a, a similar producer. Uh, it's, yeah, deals out these twists and these revelations all through information that you see on the screen, the conversations between people uh, on this Skype call. So the setup is that it begins with uh, an online video of student Laura Barnes committing suicide. uh, And we find out that that's an event that happened one year ago. And on the anniversary of uh, her death, a group of students from the same school led by Laura's once best friend Blair are on a Skype chat together and they find themselves haunted and harassed by a mysterious vengeful entity that won't leave them alone. It was a spooky setup and and it's quite we're recording this on Zoom now, which is all, you know, makes yeah. it a bit eerie. <laughs> I know. There's a fifth person on this call and it, <laughs> no matter what I do, what they won't leave the chat. Dude, get off. <laughs> well, I'm going to go throw it to James and Helen first. What, what were your guys' thoughts on this as a, as a concept and did it kind of stick the landing for you guys? Helen? 
So I was confused for a second and thought this was the Zoom film. And then it was like, it can't be the Zoom film because that literally came out and um, the timings were not allowed. So I'd never heard of this, although I think maybe I'd heard of the concept. And um, yeah, it's it's very, 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 very modern in terms of... I was watching it thinking, oh, I'm one of those people who basically, like when horror had a bit of a revamp about 10 years ago and all these sort of people who grew up on classic horror went, oh, we're not getting involved in this. This isn't proper horror. I sat there and thought, oh, I'm one of those people now. Um, <laughs> I was actually quite surprised by it. I thought it was going to be terrible, but um, there was a lot that I did enjoy about it, even though some of the execution wasn't quite so good. But it's a fascinating idea. And uh, just to watch a film on your laptop where you're basically like the voyeur into people's laptops and their notifications popping up and how many tabs they have open and all kind of the the Skype ringtones and everything was, was quite entertaining for its, what, 90-minute runtime. Good short runtime for you. James, what are your thoughts? Have you seen this before? Um, well, it's funny you should ask that because when I heard that we were talking about Unfriended, I thought, I remember that name, but I've never seen it before. And then I watched it and remembered I had seen it before. But that, <laughs> but that's how little impact it made on me is that I, I couldn't even remember whether I'd seen it before. But then I thought, what, what a fool I've been because I loved it. And I don't, I don't remember liking it that much at the time. And I might, I, I mean, I suspect I saw it at a critic screening and I suspect that I was watching it with perhaps uh, slightly more uptight uh, <laughs> film watchers <laughs> who were, who were like Helen said, who were that kind of snooty, this isn't proper horror. And maybe at the time uh, I just felt, you know, that I couldn't really admit to liking it, but watching it now, you know, on, on Netflix in my own front room, I was like, this is amazing. What I loved about it is that it's, it's certainly for the time, but even now, actually, even all these years later, it re- it feels so excitingly told. I mean, it really was a bold move to tell a story like that. And it really captured how young people, uh, as I said, they still do, but at the time they, it was, it was a more of a new thing, how young people communicated with each other, high schoolers talked to each other, um, that they would just have, you know, a, a tab open all night and just chat to each other all night, you know, and you could be doing other things. Once somebody would be reading a book or or texting someone and they'd just be on the screen while the others were doing stuff. And there wasn't ever really that sort of end to a conversation. They just, the whole yeah. evening just went on and on. Um, and I just loved, I thought that was really revolutionary actually. And I don't know if we give it enough credit. Whereas we do give Blair Witch Project credit as, as the, you know, arguably the the founding film in the found footage genre and paranormal activity and what that did for found footage. And really this is this was sort of the new way of of making a found footage movie, rebooting that whole found footage idea, which had really become, you know, such a cliche. And I suppose it doesn't have the longevity of found footage and there have only been a handful of other films since done in this style uh, i think they call it screen life don't they uh and, and 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 like ben said i think it's the same producers of all of them you know um so so it's their thing and 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 it hasn't really spread to lots of other filmmakers but for the time i think it worked brilliantly it's no mean feat to pull off a movie and tell a story purely by tabs on a computer and you know little windows and skype calls and things that i mean that takes a lot of choreography to be able to get that right 
when when I first heard about the concept of this film, because I do remember it coming out, I just thought uh, sounds it sounds a bit too high concept. And a lot of times when I hear about a high concept film, the idea is kind of good for half an hour, and then it kind of dies a death on its you know dies on its own sword. And I don't think this did that. Um, I don't think it really stuck the landing, but I think it was a lot better throughout the, you know, the majority of the runtime than I thought it was. So I, I give it a lot more credit than, than than it's due. So I am, I look forward to watching Host and I look forward to watching Searching as a result. Um, a lot of people said they were both great films. I think this was reviewed less less well so maybe by James. Maybe I, I, I saw your <laughs> review and thought, no, let's not watch it. But it was good fun. And what I think it's the scariest thing for me is, is this how teenagers communicate these days and just sit in front of the screen for like hours and have like, I like, I like having many tabs on my screen, but they they were texting each other, the boyfriend, girlfriend texting each other. They had the Skype chat on and then they're going in between Facebook at the same time. And I was just like, I I can't, I can't even, I can't even do this. It's it's just hurting my head. Um, See, that that felt more natural to me. (laughs) This felt a bit more my boil. I don't think, I don't tend to do like big Skype calls with a bunch of people. That Mm. that already feels a bit outdated. I don't think people really use sort of Skype anymore, even in the sort of few years. Um, since the film came out but that that notion of them switching between all sorts of different social media and the mm. the even right in the very beginning of the film it starts with a youtube video and then it goes to the skype call and then i really like the way that you then see the the text messages popping up on the screen that you're seeing different levels of conversation involving different layers of people and the the storytelling i think the reason it doesn't get boring the reason why the gimmick doesn't really wear off is because they found a way to tell the story, to reveal certain bits of information in certain ways, in a certain order, through the use of technology in a way that's really smart. Um, I think it doesn't necessarily get that much credit because Searching, um, which is a John Cho thriller, which has a similar sort of vibe where it's all through the computer screen uh, and it's him finding out about this sort of other life of his daughter that he never knew she had. Um, that got quite, it didn't do a huge amount of business, but it got really well reviewed and it got, um, yeah, a lot of praise for the way it told its story and host is really rightfully getting a lot of praise this year. Um, but I don't think, I I think a lot of the things that those two films do really well also are done really well in Unfriended in a way Mm. that it doesn't quite get the same, um, the same recognition really. Well, where were Bloom, because this is Bloomhouse production and, um, as someone who's not typically traditionally a horror fan, anything that has a Blumhouse kind of steel on it, I'm interested in because they do put interesting spins on things. Uh, Creep, uh, Invisible Man, Get Out, you know, they with their low budget, get good ideas and put them on screen in interesting ways. And so it, is that, I don't know, should they be credited for it all? They, I, I think Blumhouse definitely get a chunk of the credit. I, I have a real soft spot for them. For me, they make... Um, really good, largely very unpretentious horror films. I think we're seeing a real boom at the moment in great, but like prestige horror films, art house horror films. So many of those, super great. But you go and see a Blumhouse film and you know um, that generally the hit rate is very good. It's going to be popcorn-y. It's going to be teens shrieking as a lot of horror films should be. But they do have (laughs) a lot of playfulness in, in the way that they sort of tell certain stories or which stories are told because they work on these super low budgets Mm. they often give young filmmakers a chance to make their first film or one of their very early films before they're then going to go on to bigger projects
projects with bigger budgets. Um, but because horror is really bankable at the box office for the most part, they know that they can make a bunch of money off these very small budget films um, and often including, as you say, these really great high concepts. So it definitely feels like a Blumhouse film to me and I think it's emblematic. They, they'd been going for a, a couple of years at that point, but it was still yeah. fairly early on in the in the sort of rise of, of Blumhouse. And it's, I think it's films like this that really helped it make its name. That's what I was thinking was that the reasons it maybe didn't hit the mark as much is because Blumhouse wasn't as established as it is now. And well, Helen, we've had a few. We've had The Purge. We've had Get Out. We were supposed to do Creep, uh, which which was never recorded. What, where do you sit on, on Blumhouse in general, Helen? You're you're more the, you're the horror person in this podcast. Yeah, so I'm I'm a, kind of a big fan because they sort of brought us Paranormal Activity and then the sequels and Insidious and The Purge and sort of all that. So I'm I'm quite game for a lot of those films, and I don't mind their sequels because they some of them might not quite hit the mark of the original, but they tend to come at the sequels with a slightly different way or do something a little bit interesting. And even with this, there is a sort of sequel, Dark Web, but I could kind of see them making more films along this um, and maybe picking something through. The only thing that didn't quite land for me was the supernatural element, which is when the film starts getting... A bit silly, and some of the modes of death, like death by blender, and then death by hair straightener. I don't know what that was. Um, hair straightener in the face will will kill you. In the mouth, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that was. I wonder whether it could have been a bit better had it been maybe I don't know a relative taken revenge, and whether the supernatural element didn't need to be in there and it could have been a bit more kind of revengey. I don't mm. quite know. So maybe that that could be something they could have legs. But um, yeah, they, they tend to um, produce a lot, which is good. And, you know, as we said, the, there is the higher end quality horror and then there's just basically, you know, going for it with sequels. And uh, what do you see on Blumhouse, James? I'm a big fan. Um and a lot of them I find very scary. I mean, genuinely, when I saw Paranormal Activity, I, I couldn't sleep that night. And that's not <laughs> normally something that happens to me with horror films. I'm, I enjoy them, but I don't necessarily get disturbed by them. Um, you know, uh, maybe I get disturbed watching them, but by the point I've left the cinema, then I, it's kind of over. But actually, Paranormal Activity really stuck with me. Um, I didn't find this scary. It, it didn't actually detract from my enjoyment because I think it was, I, I, I was, and it is very short, so 83 minutes. And in that 83 minutes, I was so overwhelmed by the technical achievement of it and enjoying that and how, like Ben said, how the story evolves and is unfolds in that running time. That actually the fact that I wasn't really scared by any of it wasn't a major problem for me. But I do think that that might be why, as we said, it's not held up in the ranks of, the purge and and things like that which do have a, are genuinely more chilling and actually have a sort of social point to them as well um this i didn't you know it just didn't scare me in any way <laughs> and also perhaps <laughs> because um it is it is so tight and i do think with with scares and with chills you need a little bit of space around them a bit of breathing space to give them some welly and with unfriended it's so fast 
that it doesn't really have that. It doesn't, in a way, it couldn't be long because I think we'd get bored with it if it was 100 minutes or 110 minutes. But at the same time, by being so short, I don't know if it really builds up the tension uh, in a way that would creep you out. And that's one of the things I got from Paranormal Activity. You know, I found it creepy because a lot of it is slow and quiet mm. and you never really get that that slowness in Unfriended. It's just bang, 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 information overload, which is brilliant and intriguing and fascinating. And I loved it. I didn't, however, find it scary. Uh, and the ending, which is also seems to be a ripoff from Paranormal Activity, um, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things. And this is a problem I have with a lot of maybe horror films or fantasy films is how do you actually end them when you come up with a conceit and essentially the conceit of this this ghost story is that this ghost can do anything really i mean there's like <laughs> there's kind of nothing that it can't do it has control yeah. over everything it can be anywhere at any point doing anything so how do you really end that satisfactorily you know how do, how do you reach a point where it, everything's tied up and you feel okay the story's over well, you know, in this case, it just did it by killing off the last person and sort of... Posting on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And having a kind of creepy close-up, you know. Uh, but, but it, you know, that... Uh, I think that's just not necessarily a problem solely of of um, Unfriended. I think that's a problem, actually, with a lot of, of horror films. Is It's great uh, to come up with the idea, but wh- how do you finish that idea? Where do you go with that idea? Um, and I think that's one of the weaker points of Unfriended. I think I, I agree with Helen in the kind of super, supernatural elements of this, because I think the setup was really tight and actually important. And from a social standpoint, this, this cyberbullying and, and like teen suicide is a really, really kind of salient point. But then to turn it up to from like five to 255 and have like all the, you know, like I said, a guy putting his hand in the blender, death by, like death, death by hair strainer. Um, I mean, they're kind of scary and gory, which is probably what they were going for. But I think, if it was like somehow they'd managed to, there was a disgruntled aunt or uncle who'd seen that video and found that it was all these guys involved in it and managed to kind of create that. I think that would have been a nicer kind of way to do it rather than like you say, this ghost that can just be omnipotent or whatever that word is and just be everyone and enact revenge on everyone that exactly as they want to is kind of like, really? It started off so well, I think. Um, and I hadn't thought about it until you guys were saying it. I don't know. It's, I definitely think the revenge thing might have been a better execution for it. But then there's something kind of bizarre when you're watching it that this ghost is like the sky peg and like the username <laughs> Billy227. And, and I, I, you know, when it's like, oh, Laura Barnes is, is typing and you're like, oh, what's she going to type kind of thing? There's something quite um, entertaining in that, but not, as you say, particularly scary and the flicking to unexplainedforums.net really kind of aged it probably long older than it actually <laughs> is um some of the deaths were a bit strange and it, it didn't quite work but it is like the the subject matter for them to kind of tackle it in that way was the scariest thing for me um that first video of like the suicide um, where she basically shoots herself in the face was just like, whoa, okay, we, we're going into that there. And the later sort of bits sort of cheapened that. So they started off really, really strong. And then by trying to, you know, ghost it up, 
maybe lost some of the impact <laughs> that it had slightly early on, Good which was a bit up. of a shame. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's kind of what Blumhouse does, though. And one thing I quite admire about them is that they really blend this like supernatural schlock Friday night get your popcorn, come and see the film about the ghost that haunts the Skype chat and at the same time tries to sneak in a little bit of social commentary. That's what they do with the Purge films as well, where it gives you it gives you enough social commentary that you're like, oh, this film is actually about something and it's in its own way has something to say. And at the same time is like, here's a bunch of people getting killed in gruesome ways, which is the reason why you've come to see this film. So we're going to draw you in with what you want and give you at least a bit of a message um as you as you head out because i quite liked the ending even though i agree with you guys that the the ramp up of the supernatural elements wasn't massively scary they didn't i mean i'm massively desensitized to horror stuff anyway so none of it really stuck with me but that yeah (laughs) there they go they all deserve to go um but the, the way that it ended in terms of the story revelation of realizing how integral um blair was to the cyberbullying that that sort of fed into to Laura Bond's uh, suicide that as a story revelation and then the uploading of the video and that this cycle of of bullying and social media shaming continues I thought actually that's the thing that kind of lingered with me the thematic the thematic element of all of this happens because this this cycle kind of continues she they bullied her she died then this conversation is happening that is still perpetuating them talking about her and then the revenge perpetuates even further this sort of uh yeah cycle of, of shaming and and uh social horror i think the scary thing for me thinking about it now is that 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 element of cyberbullying, which is obviously there didn't uh, um you know it's not it, i i watched it just thinking this is normal you know not mm. not it's right of course it's not right but i just felt well this is what happens online and maybe when i watched it originally i felt differently because it was several years ago but you know the 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 kind of the the punch of something like the purge which is just this outrageous concept um that's why you know i or get out for it or for, for that matter you know, that's why I think they have a real social conscience. But with this, I kind of forgot that it was even saying anything about society because the way they behave just felt entirely normalised. And I suppose that is scary in itself, but, you know, it didn't really feel like they were doing anything that millions of people do anyway. You know, they they, they were just kind of behaving as kids do, Um, which uh, I I guess shows how desensitised I've become to how people behave on the internet. The revelation at the end uh, made sense, but really she was the only one left, wasn't she? It was it was probably always going to be her, um, you know, unless it was sort of, it, it just felt like it was involved all these people and no one else outside of that circle. And so they were all going to have a piece in the jigsaw and she was the last one left. Um, but I don't want to be down with it because I genuinely really enjoyed it and I enjoyed it a lot more than the first time. And I really was, was wowed by what it, uh, how it told its story, how it achieved what it did. I thought it was a real, you know, something really special. And, and actually we should be talking about it a lot more and we should be talking about it in the way that we talk about paranormal activity. I think just before we head to the scores, I think I was just think, re- re- trying to recount the deaths and the most eerie death was actually the, the, um, the lady, that the, the girl they invited that they didn't really like just to A, have a Val. go and B, Val was it, yeah, have a go and, and B, kind of find out what was going on. And then you just see that she's like almost like rigor mortis and you see the phone just like creeping across. I thought that was like one of the most effective 
things in the whole in the whole film. And just a super subtle thing there. What did you guys reckon? Was there any other deaths that you thought were like, oh shit? Well, I mean, on that one, I, I loved that. I loved that sort of the way that it creates tension for you as a viewer knowing what the online experience is like, knowing that it's full of delays, that people's screens freeze. Yeah. And so you're working out, like, is, has the screen frozen? And then yeah. that that shot of the of the sort of phone buzzing along the desktop and realising that it's not frozen, that she's frozen. Super smart. And I, I think it does a lot of good things as well. Um, like, uh, like Helen was saying, in terms of when Laura is typing and it, you have to wait to see what that message is going to be, <laughs> it derives this really organic tension from the online experience. Also waiting for the file to download and you're sitting there waiting, watching the, the sort of download uh, percentage increase to find out what this file is and what it's going to reveal. I, I thought it did that stuff really smartly. Um, I have to say, I quite liked the hand in the blender. Maybe that makes me a sicko. I just thought that was quite like, it was so random and so like, where did the blender come from? Who knows? But it was gory and kind of horrible. And if you want to see something like flash on the screen for half a second, hand in a blender, it, like it's It'll worse it. in your mind than what you actually see. Um, so I thought that was pretty effective as far as that one went. And that dude, I think he was always going to be the hand in the blender guy, wasn't he? You know, he he was like the, the wacky uh, best friend. He was sort of the the cocky one. Um, and Smokes loads of weed, got a blender in his room. Exactly, yeah. And, and the hand in the blender was the more comical of the deaths. And so it felt right that it was for him. I think you always need to have one like that in a horror movie when when the killer is picking off a number of different people. One of those deaths needs to be a bit sort of uh, on the lighter side. And uh, yeah, I love that bit. <laughs> well, let's uh, head to the scores. Hello, I'm Sam Pei. And I'm Martin Zotzorstwick. And together we host a show called Song, Song by Song, Song, where we deal with the music of Tom Waits. We've been going since uh, 2015. Every week we talk about a new track. Uh, we've made our way through 15 seasons so far of his music. And now we're going back to the early years. And if you haven't listened to Tom Waits before, it's not the growly stuff. It's not the stuff where he's hitting an automobile with a bone for percussion. <laughs> it's a nice, easy way into his music. If that sounds like something you would be interested in, you should check out our website, songbysongpodcast.com, or put Song by Song into your podcatcher of choice. Welcome to our Flixwatcher scoring. Um, all of the scores are out of five and you may have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, Ben, with your recommendability, please. I'm going to go four for recommendability. If you like horror stuff, if you're interested in, in this kind of thing, if you liked Host, I do think a, a lot of what Host does, it does better than this. But um, I, yeah, I'd give it a four. I would recommend this to people. James? Um, yeah, I would also go for four it's it's not perfect um however there's a, a novelty value to it and now looking back on it i think it catches a moment in time a zeitgeist of however what was it five or six years ago now was it longer than that <laughs> um but but it's you know if if you wanted to look back on a time and certainly in years to come when we're even further into the future you know i think if you wanted to see what were kids doing and how were they behaving and what was their social life like at a certain point in the in the um, noughties or teens or whenever it was made? You know, I think it, it captures that really well, actually. Um, and so I've got to applaud it for that invention and that um, snapshot of an era. So, yeah, four out of five. Helen? Yeah, I'm also going to give it a four. Um, 
it's so short that even if you watched it, then you'd be like, well, that was all right. Um, but I generally had more fun with it than I was expecting. And I'm not quite sold on the supernatural element, but there's so much going on for such a short runtime. And it's it's very entertaining and kind of like a fascinating insight into young people communicating. Um, some horror fans probably will say it's not quite gory enough and there's not enough scares in there but you know it's it's kind of like a new breed of horror so give it a go it's really short you'll have fun i'm gonna go for four as well i think it's i wasn't looking forward to it i hadn't watched it for a particular reason because it sounded a bit a bit shit um <laughs> but it wasn't and um that's that's the caveat i'll say to people it sounds a bit shit but it's it's not give it a go just going with a light heart um kobe did message me saying are you sure you didn't mean searching the john show one that everyone says is really good and i was like I, I, that is really good but that's not the one i meant and i could feel you deflating in that moment you're like no i wanted to watch searching instead i do need to watch searching now off the back of this i was just gonna say super brave for bringing something on that you haven't seen before as well yeah. because most of the time people it's only maybe once or twice when that's happened and someone's gone, yeah, I picked it because I hadn't seen it and now I'm really sorry. So <laughs> it's, it's a brave move. Uh, repeat viewing score, guys. Ben? I, I'm going to go for a two because I think I got everything that I needed from this film on the first time around. And I do think as I keep banging on about a lot of the things that this film does, Host is so, so good. <laughs> Check it out. I, I know this is the Netflix podcast, but it's it's on Shudder, the, um, the like horror subscription <laughs> channel. I'm so sorry, but it's flipping great. And you know what we were saying about uh, that this is, I don't know, 83 minutes and it gets in and it gets out. Host is like 55 minutes mm-hmm. in and out and it feels like a complete experience and the supernatural side of it works super well. Um, so I think partly because of that, I would return to that over uh, unfriended but um it's definitely worth that initial watch so two for me on repeat viewing james i'll go three because it was a repeat viewing for me even though i didn't realize it um until <laughs> it was you know 10 minutes in and then when i did realize it i thought well i'm, I'm actually enjoying this significantly more now admittedly there were several years between viewings and i'm not saying i would want to watch it again next week um but I think I'm the only one here for whom it was a repeat viewing. Yeah. Um, and uh, how, however big a gap it was between the first time I saw it and the second time I saw it, I can say that I enjoyed it more the second time. So I'll, I'll, I'll have to go three. But I don't know if it's going to bear up to many more uh, viewings than, than, than those two. Helen? Yeah, I'm unlikely to go back to this, but I am intrigued um, now more so about host and what was the other one searching is searching it yeah okay. searching is on netflix as we as we record this okay yeah so sorry unfriended i'm going to give you a one and use my 83 minutes to invest in another one of the genre uh, i'm going to go for 0.75 uh <laughs> i think i got everything i needed from this uh, the first time and to it's great because it's opened my eyes to to a concept which could work and i think especially recording during a pandemic it's really good to see interesting ways of, put, of, of creating new material that's that's interesting. And, you know, one of my favourite TV shows of this past few months is Staged, which is Michael Sheen and uh, David Tennant screen lifing. And it's, it's fucking hilarious. It's brilliant. So it, it, it does go to show this kind of concept can work. And um, I, I don't think I'll revisit this. But kudos to them for, like, bringing in a new genre. Uh, small screen score. I, I imagine this would be quite high. Ben? 
I'm going to go five because if any film, <laughs> if any film was designed to be seen on a home screen, it's this. I watched it on my TV and I kind of wish I'd watched it on my laptop or on my phone. It's like, it's literally perfect for that. Like, I I wouldn't say it's uh, a five star film, but if you were going by purely what is a good small screen experience, it's got to be this, right? The, the way that, it, especially as, as Helen was saying, if you watch it, on your laptop it primes you as you're like the sixth person on the skype chat you are Mm. the extra specter watching it all unfold and that is uh an experience that you wouldn't get watching this in the cinema so yeah i i I don't know what more it could do to be worthwhile as a a home viewing i'm gonna go five james uh four and a half yeah i i mean i did see on the cinema and then i watched on my ipad and it was significantly better on the ipad um so i think that speaks for itself so yeah i might not go for the perfect score but four and a half for um small screen experience helen yeah i'm going to give it a five as well and for the extra kind of element like with your headphones so you know you you have your ears in and you just get that full full on laptop in the moment it's almost like vr horror sort of uh engagement score ben uh, I, I'm going to say four for this because I was really engaged the whole way through it. Like I said, I thought it did a really good job uh, unfurling the story of dishing out the revelations in a really innovative way. And I think it's not really until the end of the film that you get the full picture of of the backstory of this whole kind of social cycle and, and how it began. So I'm going to say four because I, if, you, if you'd have paused it halfway through, I would have been like, what are you doing? I was in the <laughs> middle of watching that. Uh, James? Yeah, another four. It's. I mentioned earlier that that I feel um, it wasn't as scary as I'd hoped, and perhaps that is because it felt a little too speedy in certain parts. And personally, I get more creeped out by stillness and and slowness, and there isn't a lot of that in this film. But having said that, you know, I was totally gripped the whole way through because it's it is you know a short movie that gets to the point and tells the story efficiently. And right, like I said, right at the beginning, you know, to, to tell this story in this way is incredibly creative and difficult mm. to plan. I can't even imagine how, you know, they did sort of go through it. And it feels very natural. You know, none of the actors feel like they're really performing. It, it totally feels realistic as if it is a real Skype chat. So I think to, to pull it off, amazing. And to keep us gripped, amazing. So four out of five. I was thinking, I was, I was trying to work out where the costs, I didn't, I didn't do any research into this, so I don't know, maybe you can tell me how much this costs to make. But I thought the cost must be going into the licensing of using Facebook and like Skype's names. That must have been a big chunk of it because none of the actors were well known. And the, I don't know, it, it just seemed like, even though it might be quite difficult to put together, it's the production costs will be quite low because everything's grainy. You didn't need to have a like a, a high production set value, did you at all? Um, so I can see why like Blumhouse put their money into something like this. It must cost like two million pounds less than that. Two and million dollars. Super brought. short recording time mm. as well, filming time, and also you know you don't have to worry about sets because presumably you're filming everything through the screens to get the authenticity. And it, it was a it was an investment for them as well, basically, because uh, so the producer who kind of links this with searching and, and other things, uh, a Russian filmmaker called uh, Timur Bekmambetov. Um, he has basically patented this technology to do these these kind of yes yeah, screen life films, um, which is how you got searching and and unfriended dark web. So they have the technology now. They were sort of feeling it out with this film, I think, and by the end of it, they had 
the tools to do it that they can apply to to more films in the future. So it was, a, I guess, an experiment and investment in in that sense. So was it actually recorded via computer screen, and then they? Because I thought they might record it using proper cameras, and then like. Yeah, it'll all be in the editing and the compositing. I'm sure they will have shot it, especially because uh, it, one of my flaws with the film is the sheer amount of um, of like uh, the chat breaking up and the, yeah. the blockiness of the fake video, yeah. which is fake, fake glitching. That's not a sort of authentic computer glitching. <laughs> That's an f- effect they've added. So I'm sure they will have um, yeah filmed it all kind of based on normally added all the effects and then blended it in in, in the edit um, with this with this software that they developed basically to make it look like an authentic computer screen which is really smart it's but i I mean i imagine a huge amount of it is basically animation Mm. it's like an animation live action hybrid in its own way it's interesting that they've got that they've got this software because i'm wondering and uh, i know host isn't one of their films so that's a slightly removed thing but but they've only done three or four of these films and and where how much more they can do with that i mean i think it's an amazing thing that they've achieved but I'm not so sure what the, you know, if it's got legs, where else you can go with it, really. <laughs> I, I genuinely want a rom-com. They've used it for loads of horror and thrillery stuff. Give us a rom-com. People falling in love over Zoom or something could be super sweet if they do it properly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, we, know, I mean, we didn't Blumhouse. have a found footage rom-com either, did we? <laughs> uh, Helen, engagement score? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go four as well. Um, it's not very scary, I would say that. So... It didn't kind of keep me on the edge of my seat, but you know it's so short and it it's just zips along so fast that um, yeah, four. I'm going to go for five here. Um, I I was genuinely like, oh okay, I did I didn't know what to expect from this kind of type of film, so I'm going to settle in. Um, it did lose me at the end, but I was, I was with it all the way through to the end. Um, but you know I'm not going to revisit it. So it had me once. Um, and that gives us an overall score of 3.70313, which based on my thoughts to Ben and Helen sent me a, a WhatsApp going, oh my God, it's got 5.5 on IMDb. That's really poor. Um, <laughs> it's a lot better than than we thought going into the recording. So well, let's head to Twitter. Um, just as a reminder, guys, thank you very much for listening. But if you do follow us on uh, on Twitter, we are Flix Watcher Pod. Every time we go into recording, we put a little shout out to say, in this case, we're reviewing Unfriended with James King Movies and at Ben S. Travis. Have you seen it? Give us your thoughts and a score out of five for an on-air shout-out. And we had quite an unexpected amount of um, comments on this. Ben, can you read out one of the, the comments that have been left? Uh, so Liam H. Dempsey says, It's an ingenious psychological horror which offers an impressively compelling commentary on social media, public shaming and cyberbullying. That's, that's a lot of what we said as well. Uh, it drops the ball somewhat in its final minutes but in general it was refreshingly unique for the time four stars that tallies so closely to what we thought absolutely Uh, James do you want to take the next one yeah this is from Movie Reviews in 20 Q's podcast a decent film for about 95% of its runtime but like many a horror film the wheels come off at the end a bit worth the watch for horror fans three stars it's slightly different to what we said Uh, Helen was saying that horror fans might not like this so much Helen, do you want to say the next one? Uh, yeah, so this one's from The Contrarians. I could be wrong, but I don't think that just screens and nothing but screens genre has overplayed itself the way found footage did so soon after bursting onto the scene. I love the inventiveness of this one and its sequel, even if it's far from plausible, four stars. Nice. That's one of the ones that retweeted rather than uh, added to the to the, to the the list. Um, ben, do you want to say the next one? 
that you can see? Yes. Uh, so what were they thinking? Uh, said, I didn't mind it at all. Innovative style and kept it short enough. Three and a half stars. I love nice that. and succinct. I didn't mind it at all. Mind it fine. at all. I didn't mind it. It was fine. Uh, James. This is from uh, Jest Screen. Unfriended and then host on Shudder. However, watch host second as it is better in every conceivable way. Uh, and then these were replying to you, Ben. So this is from Jenny. I really like Unfriended, a rare film that 100% works better on a small screen or laptop than in a cinema. Yes, which is what we said. And do you want to say the last one, Helen, because you got it in front of you? Yep, so the last one is from Ben Murray-Holmes. Such an underrated film. The build-up of suspense as you just watch the screen is crazy. Love the sequel too. Um, are we going to go watch the sequel? Is it on Netflix? It's, it's dark. Yeah, it's on it's on Netflix and Friended Dark Web. It's like and I think they've done it in an anthology style, so it's different characters, obviously different setup, just sure. using a similar sort of gimmick, but ooh, on the dark web. <laughs> Spooky. Um I might watch it if I I think I'm gonna go for uh searching first and then host and then maybe come back to this if I, if I haven't been tied out by this by this genre. <laughs> Unless someone might pick it before then, we don't know. Well, true, true. We, we know whoever picked, you know, how the film choices go, we never know. Um, but thank you very much, James and Ben. Can you sign off by telling us where we can find you online? And we'll say goodbye to the listeners. Uh, you can find me at Ben S. Travis on Twitter. And uh, you can hear me occasionally on the Empire Podcast and the Empire Podcast Spoiler Specials. Uh, and you can read my stuff at empireonline.com. James. Uh, yeah, I'm at James King Movies on Twitter and Instagram and uh, on Radio 2. Fantastic. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for coming on. Bye. 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 Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flicks what you sent you. just heard a stripped media production. 